Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John chapter 15, Jesus declared that we were chosen by him to bear fruit, fruit that will last. After receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, the primary purpose for which we live is to be fruitful disciples of Jesus. Do you have a lifestyle of loving Jesus and loving others, looking always to bear fruit for him and his kingdom? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 15 and look at the incredible opportunity we have to be fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Sunday morning here in Texas and hopefully all are just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, um, growing to know him. We say it over and over and over again. There is nothing in our lives that's more beneficial, more edifying, more worthwhile, more important than spending time with Jesus been a hard morning here for us at Kingdom Discipleship. Um, um, one of our leaders, Stephen, um, um, his his younger brother passed away this morning, um, unexpectedly, thirty one years old, and uh, it's just been a hard time. So just uh, be in prayer, as you can just remember. Um, you know, Michael and and Janice, Stephen, Kevin, and Ben. Um, Michael and Janice lost their son, David, and Stephen, Kevin, and Ben lost their brother, David. And it's just, it's, you know, we never expect it. You just, we don't know what to say. You don't know, you know, it's just, just bam. I mean, tomorrow is not promised to us. You know, Stephen came to my home. Obviously, he's just struggling remarkably. He, he still wanted to do this teaching. He wanted to do his duty. He wanted to do what the Lord had called him to do. I told him we didn't, you know, we didn't need to do this, but uh, he said, no, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's get it knocked out. And so, you know, this is why we do these things is because, um, you know, life is about knowing Jesus. Stephen did did report that, you know, he had had good conversations with his brother about Jesus and that um, his brother had had come along. He was getting his life in order. And so, um, you know, we just thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I do lift up this family to you. I lift up Michael and Janice, Stephen, Kevin, and Ben, and I just ask for your mercy on them, Father. I pray holy angels around them. I just ask you to be with them now. I ask you to to comfort them, Father. Father, we do love you. We bless you and we thank you. Father, we just thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We just ask for your mercy and healing in this family now. Father, we love you. We bless you and we thank you. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the word of God. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and, and King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to, to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so today we're continuing in John chapter 15. Um, we're going to do verses 9 through through 19 here, Lord willing. Um, we, we did 9, 10, and 11 quickly last time, so we'll go through those again. John 15, verse 9, Jesus speaking. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, the entire chapter of John 15 is only Jesus speaking. Every word in John 15 is in red. Um, and again, almost all of 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is, is really almost all Jesus speaking. Um, just profound words. What makes them all the more incredible, as I had spoken about, you know, Jesus, uh, Stephen not wanting to, to cancel the, the teaching today. Um, you know, it certainly would be understandable, right? But he just, uh, you know, he wanted to do what the Lord had ordered for him today. Um, and certainly he's in a grieving process with his family. But to that end, I mean, Jesus is about, I don't know, 10 or 12 hours from going to the cross right now. He knows he's going to be, he knows that he's going to be tortured and die for the sin of the world. Um, you know, he knows he's going to become sin. He knows he's even going to experience some kind of fracture with the relationship with the Father, certainly in his humanity. You remember he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me as he's hanging on the cross? And, you know, he doesn't, he's not experiencing the intimacy with the Father when he became sin. Um, but yet, Knowing that Jesus, knowing that he's going toward this horrible death here in the next 12 hours, he, um, he, still, he still gives us and gives his disciples these incredible words. And, um, you know, I, again, I know that if I knew that I had to go into something horrible, and it's incomprehensible what he went through, None of us would want to be doing this. None of us would want to be teaching. None of us would want to be encouraging others. We'd just be, want to be by ourselves, right? We'd want to disconnect. 
But Jesus, at his, in his hardest moments, is, is teaching his disciples, is encouraging them, is actually building them up. And that is certainly a picture for us. You know, as his disciples, we want to be ones that somehow, right, um, you know, give our best when we're at our worst, so to speak. Like we said, Stephen's trying to give his best today. Um, Oswald Chambers, right? You know, my utmost for his highest, you know, you know, my best for his glory. Uh, you know, my utmost for his highest is a, a wonderful devotional. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an incredible devotional. Personally, I think it's the, the greatest devotional I've ever read. Uh, Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. There's 365 um, devotions in there. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's the most well-known devotional in the world. And I, I would recommend it to everyone. But this idea of continuing to pour himself out to his disciples even though he's about to just give his life for his disciples is just a picture that he, that all of us want to emulate. He says in verse nine, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you now remain in my love. It's a bold statement, right? Hopefully none of y'all has said to anyone, right? It's not something we can really repeat if we're in our right mind, right? We, uh, we don't love others the way Christ loves them, right? I don't love my children or my wife the way Christ loves them. Um, but for Jesus to say, as the Father has loved me, and think about the amount of love that the Father has, God the Father has for God the Son, so have I loved you, right? It takes a, a certain boldness and audacity to say, I love you the way the Father loves me. Because like I said, that's not something any of us could say. I mean, seriously, right? None of us love other people the way Jesus does. Now, we need to do that. We need to emulate the love of Christ. But only God could make this statement. This is just another statement. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. If Jesus is not God, it's a statement of utter absurdity, right? As God the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. God the Father loves Jesus with perfect love. Jesus loves us with perfect love. Um, regrettably, we don't love anyone with perfect love. Um, but it's something we do, we should strive for, obviously, right? He says, now remain in my love. You want to, it's, it's our goal to strive to remain in the perfect love of Jesus Christ our Lord, which is the love that the Father has for Jesus and obviously for us, right? Um, and it's not easy to remain in the love of Jesus. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes forgiveness, it takes patience, right? Esther, it just, yeah. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love. So again, you know, you know, he's he's making it very clear, right? If you obey my commands, again, and, and these are hard words, right? But you know, I think we said it last time. I think it's Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? 
John 15, 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. To remain in the love of Christ, we have to obey him. To walk in the love of Christ, to love in the love of Christ, to give in the love of Christ, to forgive in the love of Christ, we have to be obedient to the words of Christ, to the words of Scripture. We have to have a heart to do what Scripture says to do and to abstain from those things it tells us not to do. Now, certainly none of us do this perfectly by any means, not even close. Only Jesus did it perfectly, and that's why he's the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. But to the extent that we obey the word of God will be the extent that we walk in the love of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Right? That sounded pretty good. I'm going to say that again. Um, I just thought of it now. But to the extent that we obey the word of God, the Bible, doing what it says to do, abstaining from what it says not to do, repenting, right, Riley, when we fall short, to the extent that we obey the word of God, to that extent will we walk in the love of the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And this is incredible because... You know, Jesus is saying there's no double standard. Jesus became a human man for all humanity. Every man and woman in the world, all 8 billion people, everyone needs Jesus. He willingly became a human man and set us an example of how to live in the loving obedience, live in loving obedience to God the Father. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. Meaning he's not asking us to do something that he himself hasn't done. That's pretty incredible, right? Our savior, our king, our God became a human man, right? Jason took on a human form and then lived a perfect life of obedience to God the father, setting an example for us so he can say to us, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. He's not asking us to do something he himself hasn't done. And then verse 11 is just an incredible verse. I was talking to my brother Jason this morning, and uh, you know he was talking about how Jesus was looking forward just to this incredible joy and the joy he would have in dying for the sin of the world and actually redeeming, the joy of redeeming all humankind in his death and resurrection. But Jesus says in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. All these things he's just said, right? I'm the vine, my father is the gardener. This is in the previous teaching, right? He talks about bearing fruit. He talks about cutting off branches that don't bear fruit. He talks about... Um, the father pruning us so that we'll bear even more fruit for the kingdom of God. He talks about the need for us to remain in him. He talks about uh, the need for his words, the word of God to remain in us. Um, he, he says that without him, we can do nothing at all. He talks about that it's only by obeying him that we show our love for him. And then he comes down to verse 11 and says, I have told you all this so that my joy may be in you. 
and that your joy may be complete. Joy is a hard thing to have, right? And, and joy is different than happiness, right? Uh, the Lord does want us to be happy, right? Not all the time. Sometimes he, he does uh, allow us or even cause us to go through times of where we're not happy. But the Lord for, forever wants us to be joyful, right? I mean, happiness is based on happenings. You've heard that, right? So, but joy, we can have joy in the midst of anything at any time. And Jesus has just given us the roadmap for that, right? As we remain in the word of God, okay? As we spend time in the scriptures, right, Ian? As we're washed in the water of the word of God, as we obey the word of God, may. Um, as we repent, as we earnestly and joyfully repent when we fall short. We're not, we're not joyful that we made mistakes. We're not joyful that we sinned, but we're joyful that we get to repent and come to Jesus and get back up and walk with him aright in a new. Um, and and by, by, by walking with Jesus in this way, by remaining in his love, by obeying him, by loving one another genuinely, right? In the way that Christ loves us. He says that he told us to do all this so that my joy may be in you. It's not just joy, it's his joy in us, may. As we walk with Jesus, obey Jesus, speak about Jesus, talk about Jesus, live for Jesus, love for Jesus, give for Jesus, forgive for Jesus, the actual joy of Jesus will begin to increasingly permeate our being in our life. And Jesus said, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Again, it's it's a remarkable statement, right? Jason and I were talking about how I, I certainly have never gotten to what I believe to be complete joy. Certainly we have moments of that at times. Uh, but it is the, the, the will of our Savior, of our God, of our King Jesus, that we walk with him so intimately, that we're so close to him, that we're his servants, we're his friends, right? We're sons of our father. The spirit of God lives in us. We're in such community and unity and obedience to the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that we get to a place that we have the complete joy of Jesus. Kristen, what's that even look like, right? I mean, it's we live in a world where even as Christians, we are indeed, I mean, we sing songs that Jesus, all I need is you, right? That we don't need any of the world. And certainly, man, I want that to be, but, you know, we were singing that song at Bible study um, and I forget the name of it, um, you know, but it was, um, you can have this world, all I need is Jesus. And, and I want that to be the reality in my life, but so much of the time it's not. So much of the time I do get caught up in the world and in, you know, and, um, you know, it worked. Jesus is not the priority in my life that he ought to be. And Father, I do ask you to forgive us and cleanse us. Forgive me, Lord, and, and help us to walk this out, Lord Jesus, so that your joy may be in us and that, and that our joy may be complete in you. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. There's, there's going to be 
there'll be no better way to walk in joy than to than to walk in love toward one another. When I was preparing for this, one of the scholars made a great point and said it's interesting that the world so often walks in hate and disdain. And as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, it's our job to walk in love for one another. And because of that, he's going to go on to say that the world hates us later, as, as we read, because we're supposed to live in contrast to the world. Now, regrettably, the church often doesn't live in contrast to the world. Sometimes we look as bad or even worse. God forbid, right? Um, but he says, my command is this, Stephen. He doesn't say my request is this. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And Father, I, I ask you to forgive us. This is something, again, as a, as a church where we have just, um, I want to say we have not done well, but that's an understatement. We really have failed as a church universal around the world to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. There is just so much strife in the church, right? What do we have now? I think we have 1,100 denominations in Christianity. 1,100 separate little sects that we call denominations of Christianity. Not 11, not 110, not 200, 300, 500. How do you have 1,100 denominations? And, and all of these denominations are because we, we, we can't agree. And so we're, we're a divided body um, we are, we, we, we are a territorial people, right? The church has become in so many ways, very territorial. It, it ought to be our heart as Christians, as Christian leaders, as pastors, as teachers, as, as elders, um, as all Christian leaders to, to, to love one another, to encourage one another, to build each other up. But Again, we're we're very territorial. We're we're concerned more about our church or our ministry, um, you know, than than we are for the kingdom of God at large. And Father, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. My command is this: love each other as I have loved you. And and it's uh it's just an absolute point of repentance for for every one of us. Okay. All of us in Christian leadership need to do a better job loving and encouraging our fellow brother and sister, sisters in Christ, particularly our brother and sister Christian leaders, right? Now, again, we have to agree on the essentials of Christianity. We have to agree on the essentials of salvation, that we're saved from our sin, we go to heaven, we come into relationship with the triune God by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. There's nothing we do that saves us. There's nothing we can do to take away our sin. We're hopeless. We're helpless. We're desperate. We need Jesus and only Jesus, every human being in the world. This is the plain teaching of the scripture. We have to agree on the essentials of the scripture. The non-essentials, we need to lovingly, you know, disagree. Now, we ought to do all we can to come to agreement on the whole scriptures. We, we really should. Um, we're so far away from that. <laughs> um, and, and we need to be Bereans, right? What was it, Acts 17, where Paul said that, the or Luke said, the Bereans 
were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures day and night to see that what Paul told them was, was true and right and correct. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's Acts 17, 11. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I forget what I said, but yeah, it's Acts 17, I guess it's verse 11. Um, Stephen found it for me there. Um, but whenever you hear uh, a minister speaking, you don't, you don't, you don't take their word for it. Okay. You too need to search the scriptures. Something's not right because your pastor says it's right. Something's not right because your mom said it's right. Something that's right because it's right because it's in your Bible. Okay. Now, now certainly we, we, you know, we do want to be respectful to our parents, right? We want to be respectful to our pastors and teachers and elders and all those things. But something's not right because I say it. The scripture says that the Bereans were of more noble character because they searched the word of God day and night, night and day, light and dark, to make sure that that what Paul was saying was scriptural. And that's the kind of heart we need to have. But again, we just need to have a, you know, we just need to come to a place. And, and again, it's not easy because there are, there are many denominations and there are many churches that, that are not in line with the scriptures. Okay. They teach things that are plainly heresy. They're not true. It's not just the plain obvious teaching of the scripture. It's actually contrary to the scripture. And in those, and in those places, we do need to stand against it. Okay. We, we need to take the word of God on its face. We need to call sin, sin, right? And we need to call the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God, what it is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, and so again, we need to love one another. We do need to stand firm on the truth of scripture. Um, but we do need to be a body of Christ. And I mean, now all the churches, right? We have the, the million separate little buildings all over the place, the, the church buildings, right? Where we go to church. Um, but we need to start to, to come together and be about the kingdom of God, the son of God and the word of God more than our churches or ministries. And it's just, um, we, we, we just have, to say we have a long way to go doesn't, doesn't, doesn't cut it. Um, Father, we just need help. And I ask you to forgive us, Lord Jesus. Forgive me where we have failed to, to love one another. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is about to lay down his life. He's about to give his life for his disciples. As a matter of fact, for the people of the entire world. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? Jesus gave his life for the sins of the world. And John 1, 12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you trusting and relying on him alone to save you from your sin? to bring you into relationship with God the Father and to bring you to heaven when you die. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can be saved from our sin, that we can come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
and ultimately go to heaven when we die. And again, that's because Jesus in his own words, as well as in other places in the Bible, but in John 14, 6, Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, it's it's plain, right? Um, you know, it, it's in Acts like 4.12, 4.13. It says that, you know, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given by which we must be saved. No other name given under heaven except Jesus. And he says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Again, Jesus now is going to set the example of this for us, and he expects us to do that. Um, what does that mean? Now, obviously, Jesus is going to physically give his life. And, and there, there have obviously been Christians throughout the ages, many of them, that were martyred for their faith and gave their life, right? But what does it mean for us? Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. It means to make others a priority. It means to, to be a servant to your friends. It, it, it means, right, Lauren, just to, to die to our own wants, our own desires, our own needs. And this is hard, right? Again, because um, even as Christians, we, we are a selfish people, right? We do like our own way. I know I like my own way. I like my preferences. I like what I like, right? But when you lay aside your life, when you die to yourself, right, Benny? When we die to ourselves so that others might be blessed, Jesus says that greater love has no one than this, right? Um, and again, there, are, there have been those Christians that Jesus did call on to literally lay down their physical life, right? But we need to have a practice of of laying down our life, right, for others, for building up others, for encouraging others, for, for, for doing what we can to lead others to Christ, right? And Jesus says, this, you can't have any greater love than this. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus does want us to have a friendship with him. Now, make no mistake, he's our God, he's our king, he's our master, he's our savior. We are his servants, we're his soldiers, but he also wants us to have a friendship with him, right? He wants us to just to hang out with him and to be with him, but we, we cannot be Jesus's friends and again, not, not do what he says. Again, Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? All right, so we... We have to be obedient to the scriptures. We just can't say, yeah, me and Jesus are friends. We're cool. We hang out. And you don't, you don't obey the word of God. You don't have a lifestyle of obeying the scriptures. Again, this isn't a religious exercise. We certainly don't do it perfectly by any means. But we, all had a, we ought to have a heart to obey the scriptures, the word of God, a heart to obey Jesus. Because he says in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command, if, if you obey him, if you if you obey the word of God, if you if you love one another, if we die to ourselves and that we might lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is a, this is a powerful verse. I no longer call you servants 
because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. In Jesus' day, never ever would a rabbi or a priest be friends, right, with those they were discipling. There was this clear delineation, right? Um, but Jesus here says something that's 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 really uh it's profound and it's deep. In our relationships today as Christian leaders, right? And when we're mentoring and when we're discipling people, right? Certainly, it's important that we be spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers, right? That's important. And there does need to be a, you know, a place where the spiritual son or spiritual daughter is learning and submitting to the to the genuine, I'll say genuine spiritual father and spiritual mother that's exhorting them and loving them in the word of God, that they have their best interest at heart, that the father and mother is consistently giving their time to the, the spiritual son or daughter and building them up in the word of God and the son of God. And their only agenda is to glorify Jesus and to help them be a better disciple. And we need that. But at the same time, while we're being their spiritual father, a spiritual mother and discipler and mentor, there ought to be a growing friendship as well. Um, you know, this is something that, um, that I have been able to do over the years with those that I've poured into is that the more time you spend with them, yes, you're still pastoring them and leading them and discipling them and mentoring them, but you begin to have, have a friendship too, right? Uh, Stephen and I are, you know, he's, he's certainly been someone who's, who's always wanted to be a disciple and always wanted me to mentor him and be a spiritual father to him. But, but him and I are friends, too. We actually game together. We actually play a game called League of Legends. You know, I'm, I'm not very good. He's pretty good. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're friends as well. And, and again, that's, that's, that's a hard thing because sometimes, you know, the lines cross, but, but we strive, you know, to walk with Jesus. And, and Stephen works hard at this. But um, and to, and to have the father-son relationship, the mentor relationship, but but to be friends as well. For many, many, many people, right? I'm going to say particularly men, right? Um, you know, when you're in leadership in the church and you have a title and whether we're, you know, whatever Christian leaders we are, right? We're ministers, we're pastors, we're elders, we're deacons. It's, it's seemingly hard based on, based on personality as well. To not just be the teacher all the time and to not just be the spiritual father all the time, but to, but to be a friend. And that, that is a mark of someone that's, that's a true mentor, is that they're not always just a father telling you what to do all the time, but, but they're your friend as well. You can hang out and you can talk, right? Again, it's, it doesn't take away the other relationships. We're still servants. They are still servants of Jesus, right? In Jesus' day, again, a, um, you know, a master would never tell his servant their business, but Jesus says, I'm calling you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is what a friend does. Obviously, a spiritual father does this, a spiritual mother, a mentor. But for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you as as mentors, as pastors, as teachers, as elders, 
as spiritual fathers and mothers. It's our job to make known to others what Jesus has made known to us. And, and we need to be we need to be patient in that. I, I confess that, you know, I often I'm off I'm often not very patient sometimes with those that I'm discipling. And I haven't often been patient with those who were discipling me over the years. Um, but it's something where we need to be to be patient and receive because a friend, <coughs> Jesus says, everything that I learned from my father, <coughs> I have made known to you. So it ought to, a true friend is going to make known the heart of Jesus is going to be their priority in everything. So if you're a true friend to someone, you'll make known the heart of Jesus. You'll have a heart to make known the heart of Jesus. I know that over the last, over the years, right? Over the last seven, eight, nine years, Stephen has had a heart to make known to his brother David all that he was learning in Jesus Christ. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. As Christians, we're not just appointed to be saved and go to heaven. Jesus has chosen us to bear fruit. Now, first it says he chose you. Before any of us can be saved, we have to be chosen by God the Father. Okay, So none of us were just saved on our own. Now, it's God's will that all men and women be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4, 2 Peter 3.9, it's God's will that no man perish. But we just don't come to Jesus on our own. God the Father is holding out his loving arms and is choosing us to come to him, right? And so it's, it's, it's our Father, it's Jesus that makes the first move toward us. It's not us that makes the first move toward Jesus. And that's important. Otherwise, salvation comes entirely man-centered. Okay, it's Jesus that's reaching out to us, and then it's our job to respond to him, right? To willingly respond to him. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Okay, so again, it's Jesus that that reaches out to us first. It's not us reaching to him first. But he says, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, right? It's interesting. Sometimes we feel like we've been appointed to titles, right? I appointed you to pastor or teacher or deacon or apostle or elder or whatever other names there are, bishop, right? That, that's not what you've been appointed to, okay? You and I have been appointed to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. The greatest, the greatest call of God on our lives as Christians is to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, for the son of God and the gospel of God. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with the titles Sometimes we get caught up in these titles as Christian leaders. Forgive us, Lord, right? Our job is to bear fruit. That's what he's telling his apostles here. And that's what he's telling us as disciples of Jesus. And these are his disciples, right? And look what he says. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. The key to answered prayer is being fruitful disciples. Again, bearing fruit for the Son of God, the kingdom of God, and the gospel of God. Do you have a heart 
and a lifestyle of being fruitful for Jesus, but spending time with Jesus, helping others to know Jesus, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. Right, Melanie? That needs, that needs to be our heart, right? Is bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. And he says, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. The key to answered prayer is obviously being obedient, fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And again, we're not perfect in this, but we, we need to have a growing lifestyle of repenting when we fall short. Thank you, Lord. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name, right? The more obedient you are to Christ, the more you'll know the character of Christ, the more you'll be like Christ, and the more your prayers will be in the character of Jesus. The more you'll, you'll pray for things that are in line with Jesus. And of course, when you're praying for things that are will of God, you know, he's going to give it in the name of Jesus. Everything is in the name of Jesus. Why do we pray in the name of Jesus? Why don't we pray in our own name, Uncle Dennis? Why don't we end our prayer and say, I pray all this in Corinne's name, right? No, we don't, right? We, we pray in Jesus' name. And what that means is to pray based on the merits of Jesus Christ. You're saying, Father, I don't deserve to have, have, you know, have all this in myself or in my own life or in my own righteousness, but I pray all this in Jesus' name. And the merits and righteousness of Jesus Christ, my Lord, based on the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ and what he has done, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Again, it's a, it's a command, it's not a request. And that as Christians, we ought to be identified, uh, you know, our identity ought to be in knowing the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and loving one another. We ought to be identified by that. That ought to be our identity, and people ought, ought to identify us as loving each other. And, and I said, Father, we, we need help with that. Forgive us. Verse 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So again, he says, this is my command, love each other. And now he's going to contrast that to the world. If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. The religious leaders just hated Jesus, right? They acted as the world acted, right? They didn't love him. They, 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 were, they were angry at the, the absoluteness of his words. It's clear that he claimed to be God. Um, and Jesus is saying that if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. You know, if, if you're a Christian today, and just everyone adores you and the world likes you and non-Christians love you, then undoubtedly you're not doing something correct. Now, Jesus is not saying here you need to go out and be, be ugly to everybody. But the point is, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we identify with Jesus, the more we, we boldly proclaim Jesus, people won't like that. And uh, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it, it hated me first. So when we're persecuted by the world, remember... No one was persecuted like Jesus. Verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Again, um, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, right? Give your life to him and you too will be chosen out of the world, okay? 
Um, but as a Christian today, Jesus said that, you know, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As a Christian, you ought to have a lifestyle that does not emulate worldliness. You ought to have a lifestyle, I ought to have a lifestyle of living in consistent harmony and obedience to the Word of God and the Son of God. We ought to have a lifestyle of walking with Jesus, of obeying Jesus, of loving one another. We ought to have a lifestyle of consistent forgiveness to one another, right? We, we, it, it, we ought to reflect the love of Christ in our lives, and, and we ought to be separate from the world. doesn't mean we don't have conversations with, with non-Christians. It doesn't mean that we don't build them up. It doesn't mean that you can't have them over, you can't have dinner. It doesn't mean you can't have a beer, right? You can't be drunk, right? That's sinful, right? But the point is that, that there ought to be a, a clear delineation between our lifestyle and those that are non-Christians. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Again, if the world loves you as its own, that means that something is out of place in your walk with Jesus Christ. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world that is why the world hates you. Again, the more we live for Jesus Christ, our Lord, the more we love for him, give for him, and forgive for him, the more we'll, we will be at odds with the world. Mm. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your love in our lives, Lord. Father, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures, Lord, and I do ask for your mercy on us, Lord. I pray that we would indeed live out this lifestyle, Lord, of loving you, of obeying you, of loving one another, Lord. And I pray that, that, that we would have your joy in us and that your joy would be complete in us, Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. And again, we just, we just ask for your mercy and healing and blessing and protection over Michael and Janice and Stephen and Kevin and Ben, Lord. I just ask you to be with, the, with this family, Lord. I ask you to comfort them. I ask you to have mercy on them, Father. And I pray that, that you would draw many to you through this time of difficulty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.